0: Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of liberty baptist church of las vegas nevada dr david tice for more sermons in both audio and video format we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com also for a word of encouragement insight and biblical inspiration follow pastor david tice's blog at davidtice.com so without further ado let's open our hearts to the word of god i'm so glad you're in church today i hope you had a great week And we get to study today one of the most well-known portions of Scripture throughout the entire Bible. It's the study of Jericho. And I think it's going to be an encouragement to you. Today, it's already been encouragement to me. And I just want to share with you where we have been as we get started. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad that you're here. We want to connect with you. In fact, if you are a guest Right after the service I'd love to meet you over in our community room my wife and I will be back there we call it coffee with a pastor but I'd love to meet you especially if you're a guest today now if you are just joining us or for the last week you weren't able to be here for one reason or another we're in the middle of a study that we're calling phase 2 and in this phase 2 study we saw how God's chosen people the Israelites were led by Moses out of Egypt and God never wanted them to just be wanderers and vagabonds but for 40 years they wandered around in the wilderness without direction, without a place to go, and God had brought them to an end of that season. It was now time for them to go into the promised land. In order to enter into the promised land, to go into phase two of what God's work for their, what for their lives was, they had to go through a time of preparation. They got right with God. They made sure that they were pure and in a place where God could serve, uh, where they could serve God appropriately. But on the horizon, after crossing over the Jordan River, after purifying all of themselves and making sure that they were in clean ordinance with God, the Bible tells us that it was time to go to battle. How many of you feel like on Monday mornings? It's time to go to battle. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, oh, it was great, the weekend's over? oh, tomorrow's Monday. It's time to go to battle. There are times that God desires for us to have a season of rest where we appreciate that, that break in a schedule, or we appreciate a weekend, or sometimes even a long weekend. But God gives us those breaks or those seasons of rest in our life. But much of life is a grind. It's a battle. It's a day-to-day experience. And when we adopt a mature understanding, we realize, oh, there's other things I have to do. There's other places I have to go. I'm just not in this place or season of rest. And so that's where the children of Israel are today. In Joshua chapter 6, the battle for the land is about to begin. And God is going to show them how they are supposed to overtake this battle. He's going to put out the drawings, if you will, of how they're going to meet the needs and the conflicts of that certain day. If they're just going to go in on their own, they're going to be uh, greatly disappointed. These people have no skills. These people have no assets. They have no abilities. For 40 years, all they have done is wander in a wilderness. For 40 years, survival was the paramount thought of their day-to-day existence. What are we going to do today? For 40 years, there was no commerce, there was no market, there was no cattle ranching, there was no agriculture. For 40 years, the children of Israel had literally just been wandering. And for hundreds of years before that, they had lived in Egypt. They were slaves for a generation, doing the bidding of their taskmasters, putting together bricks, building edifices that would glorify the pharaohs of Egypt. And so, a skill set, an understanding of how to work was not part of their vocabulary. It was not part of their culture. For 40 years, all they were doing was wandering. But now, in Joshua chapter six, they are being called to go into a land. They are called to take the battle to the people and seize the place that God has called them to. And it's no easy task. God doesn't prep them by letting them go slowly into this. He doesn't let them toddle into battle. He makes the very first place of confrontation a place called Jericho. He gives the design of how they're supposed to go. In verse number five, the Bible says this, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend, every man straight before him. We are going to go into battle, and this is the battle plan. They're going to engage a city by the name of Jericho. Jericho was no little camp or tribe or village. There wasn't stick huts everywhere in Jericho. No, Jericho was perhaps the most fortified city of that generation. Archaeologists tell us that Jericho had 30 feet thick walls. That's a big wall. And that they were probably between 30 and 40 feet tall. Now this is not an actual photograph of Jericho because um, cameras weren't invented at that time. (laughs) But this is an artist's rendering again. This is, not an, this is an artist's rendering as well of what Jericho may have looked like. We know that because drones weren't invented as well during the time of Jericho. But it is believed that Jericho had two sorts to it. It had two different building phases to it. The inner city that would have had these large and magnificent walls, and then the outer city which would have had similar walls. Not only were these walls 30 feet tall and probably 30 feet thick, but... It would have taken a mile to go around north south east west the circumference of the of the city of jericho was about four miles so it's a big thing not only that but the city was pitched so when the hills were being made when the walls were being made if the children of israel were to go in and fight against jericho it would have been a tremendous undertaking There were no bombs, there were no airstrikes, there were no uh, drones and air force, hot air balloons were not part of the way. You're not using projectiles to get in there. In order to conquer Jericho, you would have had to scale 30 feet. If somehow, somehow you were able to scale that 30 feet and breach that 30 foot edifice, you would then have to go up another incline and do the exact same thing, which is a tremendous undertaking if you understand that the battle of jericho was no walk in the park say yes Yes. that's what god's calling them to do god's calling them to go into battle today's the day of battle it's time to start it and we're not just going to do some little easy thing we're going to do something and we're going to do it hard the bible tells us this that god has a way In anything that God tells you to do, he has a way. In anything that God tells you to do, God has a way. Would you say that with me, that God has a way altogether? He has a way. He has a way to do. I don't know how he's going to do it. On one day, he said to his disciples, hey, guys, there's like 5,000 people here. We need to feed them all. Mm, right we need to feed them all Yeah, Let's feed them all We don't have anything Well, what do we have and isn't it interesting that the baptist preacher was like there's a kid with lunch? <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of the one of the disciples knew exactly where the lunch was like you got a lunch kid and can you imagine the kid like? Mm. <laughs> it's my lunch and that kid has lunch and all the disciples look at tw- 12 hungry baptist pastors looking at oh and can you see Jesus? Hey, Jesus. Uh, hey, son. Can I talk to you for a second? And the little boy doesn't feel awkward or weird. He approaches Jesus and he says, What's your name? Oh, no. My name's Ralph. <laughs> it's not a very Jewish name, but <laughs> we're glad you're here. He receives the lunch from him. He says, would, it mind, would you mind if I borrowed your lunch and shared it with everybody? Sure. And he feeds 5,000 people. God can make a way. On one day, he told a prophet, a reluctant prophet, you're going to go to Nineveh. No, I'm not. I'm going to Joppa. Where's Joppa? The opposite way of Nineveh. I'm going to Joppa. He goes into the ship. When he gets into the ship, the winds and the waves, they start to crash around him. And what happens? God makes a way for him to get to Nineveh. He gets thrown over into the drink and a whale, woop eats him up, brings him over to the shoreline, vomits him out, and uh, Jonah's like, I'm going to Nineveh. (laughs) God will make a way. If God's called you to do something, God will make a way to do it. It comes down to this. We have to believe. Now notice the way that God says he's going to take out Jericho. Verse number one. Now Jericho was straightly shut up. Because of the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all the men of war, and go around about the city once. Thou shalt do six days. Here's the battle plan. Since everything's shut up there, you're going to take all of the guys, And when you take all of the guys, you're going to walk to Jericho, and then you're going to walk around it. And then you come home. What do you do the next day? Same thing. Next, same thing. How many days in a row? For six days. We read verse number five. Look at verse six. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people pass on and compass the city and they let it them that was armed pass on before the ark of the lord And it came to pass in verse number eight When joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of rams horns Passed on before the lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the lord followed them. Okay God can make a way God has a way. So what is my responsibility? I have to believe him Now, what do I do to believe him? Well, number one, I have to believe his word. You ever had a feeling about something and that feeling came true? I have a feeling somebody is watching me. Whoa, somebody's there. Have you ever had a feeling like that and it's not come true? Have you ever had a feeling that something bad was gonna happen and it doesn't come to happen? And it does come to happen? Like, oh, I just knew it. I just knew it. Have you ever had a feeling that something bad was gonna happen and it didn't come to happen? You know why? Because we can't trust our feelings. Sometimes our feelings are right. I feel like they're mad at me. Were they really mad at you? No, they just ate something bad. <laughs> are you mad at me? No, I just had calamari last night. Oh, that makes a whole lot of, <laughs> makes a whole lot of sense. So feelings will they will waver they'll go up and down they will vacillate in our feelings So we must always go to something that is more sure Than our feelings because our feelings might make us do something one day and do something different another day, right? So if i'm going to be a person that believes god, I can't trust my feelings. What can I trust? I can trust his word God when he makes a promise he always comes through on his promises Let me just say that again, for those of you who didn't hear. When God makes a promise, he always comes through on his promises. Okay, I thought there might be some people who agree and understand that. He always comes through. The Bible tells us this, that we have a responsibility. In 2 Timothy chapter two and verse 15, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Sometimes we get ourselves in so many problems because we trust our feelings. Or we trust our culture, or we trust our traditions, or we trust what our parents said. And we go through all of these different lines of reasoning to bring us to a conclusion of what we should believe. And God says, don't trust that, trust me. Well, how do I know to trust God? You study the word of God. You become an expert on this book. You read it daily You have a time, rather than listening to talk radio or the podcast or a hundred different things that would steal your attention on your 30-minute commute, on your 15-minute commute, you get in the Word of God and you study the Word of God. Are you a student of the Word of God? Are you a consumer of the Word of God? Is it a daily habit in your life? Or is it something that is just in the abstract? We hit it once every once in a while. I'll tell you this, the Word of God is quick It's powerful it's sharper than any two-edged sword it pierces through to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit You need to know this book The word of god changes people's lives. Do you know this book? Do you understand this book? Are you receiving this book at the beginning of the year? I started something i've never done before I started a chronological reading of the bible I've read the bible um, Probably 18 times. I don't want to exaggerate, but I think I've read the Bible all the way through 18 times. but I've never read it chronologically. And so I put in a reading plan on my phone through an uh, app called the U-Version app. And so I, I listen to the U-Version app, and oftentimes I'll listen to it, sometimes I'll read and listen to it. But there's something on this app. Right now, I'm on a 29-day streak. And I didn't realize it until about day 17 that I had been in the app every single day. Now, I I try to get in the Word of God every single day. Sometimes I miss, sometimes I mess up. But when I saw on the top right corner, when I opened up the app, it said 17. What is that 17 for? It says, you have opened the app 17 straight days. And I felt like, (laughs) yes, I have. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, last Sunday, Last Sunday, I was, um, I, I was in the Word of God all day, like th- three church services. You guys come to one. I come to three. <laughs> I don't want to flex, but that's just the way my life is, okay? <laughs> and so about, about 8 o'clock last Sunday night, Super Bowl was just ending up, about 8 o'clock last Sunday night, my phone popped up and says, you have been 22 days in the YouVersion Bible app. Keep that streak going. And I realized, oh, I almost lost my streak. <laughs> and I opened up the Bible, and I, and I listened. I listened. I didn't even read. I listened to one chapter of the book of Numbers. It was like Numbers chapter 24 I was in that day. And I read one chapter of the book of Numbers. And I, to be honest with you, I can't even tell you what was going on in Numbers chapter 24. But it's kept me. Today, I'm on 29 straight days pretty impressive I thought obviously for you it's not but I'm on 29 straight days it helps me and I'm a pastor and that that one little thing that one little icon when I open it up up an app has helped me has helped me to be in the Bible what helps you to be in the Bible what gets you in the Word of God daily do you have a practice is there a habit you need to change don't start by trying to read the whole Bible through in a year Try reading three verses. Just take something. Just, just get in the Word of God. And even if it's haphazard, Lord, whatever you have for me today, I shall open it up and read what you have for me. Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 30. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the province of Babylon. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your Word. You say, what does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have to do anything with Babylon? Oh, because if you don't know, you need to know. That's a really cool story. And if you don't know that story, I hope your appetite's just kind of got wet a little bit about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and what happened in Babylon. You say, well, does that really even matter if I just do that? Well, some of you who don't know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it'll start helping you out. The thing is this you got to get in the word of god do you know the word of god or do you only know what people are telling you about the word of god do you know the word of god are you only listening to other people's opinions of the word of god you need the word of god in your life i want to believe okay then you have to believe his word notice this number two if you're going to understand that god has a way you have to believe not only his word but his work now what is the work of god oh Oh, what is the work of God? I want you to imagine what the work of God in your life could be. Okay, I want you to picture. Take, take a 15-second vision break. God, if you were going to do your work in my life, what would the work of God be in my life? Take a 15-second break. God, what would that vision be? Look at it. Okay, you, are, have, you have 12 seconds left. You're at nine seconds of vision left. Five seconds, two seconds, stop. What is the work of God that He wants to do in your life? Oh, is it big? Is it bold? Notice what Jesus says. Then say unto then Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? <laughs> Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. You know what the work of God in your life is? Being on time to work tomorrow. Well, that doesn't seem great. It is if you didn't make it on time last week. Your boss will be a little bit more impressed with you. Your co-workers will value your testimony more if you're just on time for work. You see, the work of God, we put these huge, noble visions of great, uh, majestic accomplishment, and I think that's wonderful. But the work of God happens in our lives on Monday mornings and Thursday afternoons, when we are faithful, believing on him whom he hath sent. Lord, today you've made me a policeman. Lord, today I'm working at Nevada Envy Energy. Lord, today I'm out at the base. Lord, today I'm trying to raise these kids. Lord, I'm just trying to get them to school on time. Lord, this is my, I have a mountain of laundry over there. Lord, help us like Mount Carmel to conquer. Would you just send a fireball and just blow up this this mountain of laundry? You see, when we understand the word of God, he takes us to a place where the work of God is done in our lives day after day after day. In a world that's fascinated with the fantastic, God rewards faithfulness and he wants to reward you in your faithfulness. How do I do the work of God? You do the work of God by being faithful where you are today. You go to connection class tonight at five o'clock. What's so faithful about that? It's probably where God wants you to be. You you show up on Wednesday evening. You, You discipline your kids. You write a sweet note to your wife what is all those things it's just being faithful where god has you on a day-by-day basis believe god when i believe god he will show me his word his word will show me his work what is that work oh believe on him number three i can believe in his wonders whoa well if god would just do this wonderful thing then i would have the ability to believe him now i believe him but I want to see God do some great things. Now, notice what the Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. Good job. I believe in God. The devils also believe. Do you know that the devils believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you know that the devils, the devils, they might lie about this, but the devils believe that God created this world and not through this whole crazy evolution monkey amoeba thing. God, the devils believe that. Do you know that the devils believe that a dude was swallowed by a whale and spit up? The devils believe this stuff. Well, I believe that too. Are the devils faithful? If you're curious, the answer is no. Devils are not beings of faith. So what is the difference between belief and faith? Here's the difference. Action. The difference between belief and faith is action. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 6, after God lays out this plan, what we're going to do, Joshua, is we are going to take all of the people... We're going to line them up, and when they line up, they're going to walk around the building. And when they walk around the building, they're going to walk around the edifice six days, and on the seventh day, they're going to walk around it seven times. We're going to blow a horn, and I will give you the victory. Notice Joshua's response to that. And Joshua, the son of Nun, immediately, this is right after verse 5, he called the priests, and he said unto them, Let's go, take up the ark. And let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. Isn't that cool? There was an immediate action. God said, I do. God said, I do. Oh, I believe that God can give victory over Jericho. But you will never see the victory over Jericho until you act. You can believe it all you want. But if you're sitting in your tent beside the Jordan River without manna, you better start acting. Acting is the place That turns belief into faith. The Bible, the difference, oh, I said it this way one time before. The difference between belief and faith is action. Isn't that good? I wanna be a person of faith, don't you? I wanna be a person that is faithful, don't you? Well, then what's the difference? Well, I just believe God. That's great, you believe God. Are you acting upon that belief? Oh, I believe my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and goodness by Christ Jesus. Give and it shall be given unto you. Do you give? Are you a tither? Are you a giver? Are you helping to meet other people's needs? Or is your finance all about your benefit and your better situation? Woo. See, I can believe God, but then there's a place where I have to act in faith. There's a difference. You know, it's easy to say God will take care of you when it's somebody else. But when it's yourself then it's a different thing whenever the stratosphere first opened up and all of those rides were on the top of it we would take people there often when friends i was in college and so we would go down there we'd visit and ride those things. The, the one on the top, the slingshot, I think it's called, or, or the big shot is what it's called. So the big shot on the top, the one that counts down and then whoo, shoots you up and shoots you down. I remember we would take guests from out of town there. I've probably ridden about six or 10 or 12 times, just ridden a number of different times. One time I was up there with our friends and I had somebody who was a, a little bit nervous about being there. And as they were talking about, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. No, it's all right, we've done this before. I got on the ride at the big shot And there was a a Hispanic man who was operating the ride, and he was in charge of our safety, the welfare and uh, lives of every one of us who were up there. His English was um, not very good. (laughs) So he would speak in broken English to me as we were going back, and he would take our tickets and let us in. And I remember as he went around, he was checking everybody's things to see if they were locked and see if they were locked. He went down. And when he went by mine, I was putting it in, and when he set to lock it, my thing went up. The over-the-shoulder harness, the thing went up like that. And, and I tried to get his attention. Like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> it's not locking. It's not in place. You're a 1,000 feet up in the air about to get shot 200 more feet up in the air. You start to get concerned about a thing like that. It's not locking. Now, everybody else that I was with, they were fine. And they're like, don't worry. It's going to be okay. But it's different when it's your thing that's not locking. I remember saying, hey, 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 could you, hey. And he went over to the thing, and there's probably some safety thing saying it wasn't locking properly. And he looked at him like, oh. And he came over, and he pressed a button, and it locked it down. And I remember saying to him, is everything okay now? And he had very broken English. He said, está bien. Just in case they're right. You know, just <laughs> you know, just, just, in case, right? <laughs> Man. And we went on the ride and everything went okay. But a lot of times we can tell everybody God will take care of them. God will supply for you. God will meet your needs. There's a God. He's real. Everything's fine. It's cool. It's groovy. But then it's you. And when it's you, the difference between belief and faith is action god has a way we can believe it number two we have to act upon it number three we have to commit the results to god when we commit the results to god we understand that he will take care of that situation so joshua you're going to go to jericho what are you going to do you're going to walk around it okay let's start it let's do it tomorrow now, when you're in the middle of walking, you've got to trust that God's going to do what he says he's going to do, don't you? That's the belief of commit. I'm trusting God. I'm just committing this to him. He's going to take care of this. I don't know how. Now, a couple of things about committing or trusting to God. Some actions yield immediate results in life. There are some things that as soon as you do them, they're done, and you see immediate results. I have about maybe 400 500 square feet of grass at my house, because I live in Las Vegas. But I love cutting the grass. One of the reasons I love cutting the grass, because you see immediate results from cutting the grass. It's great. You cut the grass, and you know right where that blade went over. Like, oh I, it just makes me feel good. After 30 minutes of mowing the lawn, and picking up the pieces, and fixing the Sprinkler heads that I ran over. After 30 minutes of doing that, you just see, oh, you step back and I have done something. But very few things in life are like that. Very few things that as soon as I do it, I see immediate results. Most things of consequence take time. Most things that are good and healthy or valuable, they take a tremendous amount of time. I love a good barbecue sandwich, don't you? I like when somebody says, "Would you like to come to our house we're having pulled pork?" I love when people say, "Would you like to come to our house we're having pulled pork?" <laughs> if you ask me, "Would you like to come to our house, I'm available if you have a pulled pork sandwich." I just enjoy it. If you like a good pulled pork sandwich, say, "Amen." Yes. All right, good. Yeah, see, this is a good place. Now. You can go get a pulled pork sandwich and it can take you less than five minutes to get a pulled pork sandwich. You just run across the street. <laughs> and you roll up and you say, I would like a pulled meat substance sandwich. <laughs> and for probably 4 dollars five ninety-nine, or $5.99, they will give you, they will give you something resembling A pulled pork sandwich, right? And it will take take less than five minutes to get that. Takes less than five minutes. They pop it in the microwave, it's right out in your hand in less than five minutes. I was looking up recipes for pulled pork sandwiches and I found a recipe for this one. So this was the picture. I clicked the link. It talked about a smoker. And the conversation got really good. And then it started talking about the prep time for this thing. And you can just imagine some dude wearing an apron and a long beard with greasy fingers, right? And they said, you're going to need to prepare the meat for nine and a half hours. Hello. (laughs) You're waking up at 6 a.m. to eat dinner at uh, 6 p.m. because you're getting that meat in the smoker so it can smoke all day long. And that's a good pulled pork sandwich. What's the difference? Anything of consequence usually takes a great deal of time. You can have a pulled pork sandwich, and it'll take you five minutes. I don't know if they're even in season right now. I'm not a hunter. But I don't know if they're in season at at the McDonald's right now. (laughs) So I don't know what's going on at McDonald's right now, but I do know this, that if they are offering their version of a pulled pork sandwich, it takes, takes less than five minutes. It takes less than five minutes. But if you want what's on the right, if you want something that's quality, if you want something that's of consequence, it's going to take a little bit more money. It's going to take a lot more time, but the product is a whole lot more valuable. Check this out. When God does something, he does something of consequence it means a great deal it's a whole lot more valuable than the cheap thrills that las vegas boulevard has to offer so when i commit to the lord i commit to the lord for something that says okay god I'm believe, i believe i believe you i'm acting on this i'm committing this and i commit to the process because god i believe you for the product God, I don't know how that's all going to work out, but I understand that I can trust you. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, that, says it this way, I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So you might be in a season in your belief in God, in your acting in faith, and even that committing where you are you're just planting. Okay, God, I tried this for three weeks. I don't see any difference. I tried reading my Bible for three weeks. What's the big difference? Well, you might not see anything because you're in a watering season. Oh, I I tried witnessing to my friend, and I tried witnessing to my friend, and I tried to tell them about Jesus, but I'm not seeing it. Well, maybe you're in the planting season. See, you're not the one who brings about the harvest. The person who brings about the harvest is God Almighty. The Apostle Paul said it this way. I planted... My my friend Apollos, he watered, but it's God who gives the increase. It's a commitment to trust God. What are the ABCs of faith? Well, it's actually the BACs. I believe, I act, and I commit. I'm not going to give up on the process two and a half weeks in. I'm not going to stop my diet even though it's February. I'm just going to keep working through this process because I believe that God will give the increase. Now, people must obey. God has a way, but thought number two is that people must obey. You've got to obey because God's methods defy human logic. Look at what the Bible says in verse number eight. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the rearward came up after the ark, and the priests going on. What are they doing? They were blowing the trumpets, and they were doing exactly what God said. Now look at verse 10. This is so interesting. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, and then ye shall shout. Here's the method that God's people are commanded to obey. And I imagine Joshua, imagine there's 50,000, 100,000 mighty men of valor ready to go to conflict. and We're going to go up to Jericho, and they align everybody in order, and as they're about ready to go to Jericho. They say, can you see Joshua? I get like the idea of a football coach coming into the locker room before the big game. And I can see him saying, all right, guys, we're going to go to Jericho. And can you see these guys for a whole generation been nothing but wanderers in the wilderness, walkers going from here to there, going nowhere. And I can just see these guys saying, and when we go to Jericho, God's going to give us a victory. No! And we're going to walk around those walls. Ah! And when we're walking around those walls, ah! no talking. Huh? <laughs> Don't you say a word. Huh? <laughs> no talking. But but what if I what if I have to go potty? Then <laughs> then you stay here, Wilbur, okay, we'll take care of that. No talking. And so here they go. Day number one. Day number one, here we go. We're going to walk. They're gonna make a four mile walk. Oh. Now it's Monday. Same thing. Now it's Tuesday. Same thing. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Same thing, six days in a row, walking around the thing. God's methods defy human logic. It doesn't make sense. We are going to wipe them out. How are we going to do it? No talking. And they just walk. On the seventh day, they walk around seven times. And as they walk around seven times... At the end of the day, t- by the way, 28-mile hike that day. Think about it. Look at your phone tonight when you're ready to go to bed. Look at the Heart app and see how many miles you walked, and you're exhausted. Look, oh, I'm exhausted. 1.27 miles. <laughs> OK, you look at, see how far at the end of this day, They've been walking four miles every day times six days. That's 24 miles at least that they walked in that week. And on the seventh day, now they are walking 28 miles at least. That's a whole marathon. And I don't know how long it took them. Let's say they were walking at four miles an hour, which is a pretty good pace. And they've got their bows and their spears and their swords and their Ark of the Covenant. So if they're, that's a seven-hour day. If they started at 6, now it's 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They're doing it without lunch. The union had not been established yet. <laughs> the Teamsters were so upset about this one. It's, it's 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon if they're keeping a good 4 mile an hour pace, which is, that's, that's huffing it. So at the end of that, now we've hiked 28 miles, they're going to hear the lamb's horns uh, ring forth. And then they have to go to battle that makes no sense but God's methods defy human logic it just does God can do something that you don't understand how could God create the world in six days well he's God he can do that how, can God, how could God supply for me if I give 10%? How could God supply for me more than that? I don't know. He's God. How could God pay for my sins? He's God. How could God give me everlasting life? He's God. See, God has a way of doing God things, and sometimes his methods defy human logic. You mean God became a man And took nails in his hands to pay for my sins was buried and rose again and me putting my faith and trust on the finished work of jesus christ gives me everlasting life that does not make sense god's methods defy human logic so on the seventh day pretty cool Now, first of all, I can't believe it works. (laughs) They told me, they told me, you can press it, and it'll be like, no, I don't know that. No, it's going to mess up. It works! (laughs) What's cool about this horn, this horn is a different type of horn than you would normally go. Normally, if you were going into battle, you would blow like a silver trumpet, Okay? That's the kind of... But this one, the shofar, was the idea of we've already won a victory. And some, of you, some of you have been to a, a Vegas Golden Knights game. Or you may have seen a football game. The, the Minnesota Vikings, if they score a touchdown, which happens about three or four times a season, if they score a <laughs> touchdown, <laughs> they will blow this big horn. And as soon as they score a touchdown, it'll go, it's this big Viking horn, because they just scored a touchdown. It is a sign not of going to battle, but a sign of victory. When God's priests blew this horn, it was a demonstration that we've already won. We just got to pick up the leftover pieces. God gave victory. So the people shout whenever the horn is played. Whenever the horn is played, the people shout. Okay, good. Now, that makes no sense. Wouldn't it be weird if the walls started falling down? That might be a good one for the next service, like have Asia fall off the walls or something like that. Okay. That was the literal battle plan. Like, you felt weird in church when I alluded to the fact maybe you should shout. You felt weird. You're like, is, is anybody else going to do it? <laughs> Not Bob. Bob's like, I'll do it. Okay, good. Good job. Fantastic. But you felt weird even in church. These guys had been walking for 28 ma- miles. They hear, <makes> Yeah. <laughs> and and then things start to crumble. And I don't know, maybe the shouts got a little bit more intense. Ah, 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 ah. Maybe it grew. But the walls came down like an abandoned Vegas casino. <laughs> they fell right to the ground. And as they fell to the ground, God's people went up to Jericho and they took over. Now, check it out god's mysteries defy understanding sometimes his methods like no that's not working but god's mysteries defy human understanding one of satan's lies is that he wants you to understand everything before you live in obedience he wants you to understand you shall be like gods take a bite of the fruit you'll be like gods you'll have the what knowledge of good and of evil god went, you you can't live by faith until you fully understand no god makes a way the people must obey i might not understand the methods i don't even understand the mystery but i do believe in god god's man defies abilities i want you to think for a moment for 40 years what did these children of israel get good at doing were they good at raising flocks and herds? No. Were they good at um, commerce? Were they, were they building up a dojo? where they had fight club nights every Tuesday? What were these people good at? For the last 40 years, what was the one thing that these people had gotten good at? They had gotten good one thing, one thing everybody was good at. They were good at walking. They were just good at walking. Oh, the cloud's moving. Let's go. Cloud stopped. We'll stay here until the cloud moves again. And for 40 years of walking, God uses the only thing these people are good at. They're not good at raising corn. They're not good at a, they're not good at shooting bows and arrows. They're not good at a hundred different things. The only thing these people are good at is walking. And God uses the one thing that they're good at, and he allows them to find victory in it. Their past wasn't an exceptional past either. They had gotten good at walking because in the past they had made some bad mistakes. But they had gotten good at walking. Don't miss the point. If God's preparing you for battle, if there's a battle in the future that he wants you to take, he's already put in place that which is necessary to have victory. For a generation, he's been working in your life. He could have been working in your parents' life. could have been working in that bad situation, that broken relationship, that bankruptcy, that divorce, that unexpected death, that bad diagnosis. All those things, God brings those things into your life, and he's allowed those things. Oh, they're not always good. They're not always happy. We don't always celebrate those things. But Romans 8.28 says that God worketh all things for good to them that love God, those who are called according to his purposes. He doesn't tell them to scale the walls. He doesn't tell them to build flying machines. He says, I'm going to give you victory, and I'm going to give you victory through that which you've already seen. You know how to walk, so put your walking shoes on and let's go. The third point is this, when are you supposed to start living by faith and living in obedience? Right now. You don't put it off, you don't wait to make that phone call, because today is the day. God makes a way, God's people must obey, and today is the day. Well, when should I get baptized? Today. When should I witness to that person? Today. When should I start tithing? Today. When should I you feel, uh, ask my wife to forgive me for being a slime ball? Today. When should I call my parents and ask forgiveness? Today. When should I call my sister, my brother, and uh, make things right? Today. Well, I'll just wait till, no, today is the day. And if there's something impeding your walk with God, remember, God makes a way, but God's people must obey. And so today is the day. Today is the day that God wants you to live by faith. Oh, well, not just believe him. Believing somebody else, like God will take care of somebody else. And God, will take, What's God taking care of for you? What does God need to show his power and might in your life today? He's prepared you. He's prepared you. He's made you ready. You are ready today to see victory in your life you're ready today. All the things of the past have brought you to this point, to where you're ready today. Will you be a person of faith? Will you be a person who acts? Will you be a person who says, oh, I believe God out there. God will make a way. He always does. He always does. So God's people must obey. When? Well, today's the day. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the truth that's found in it. May we use its principles Apply it to our lives and use it for your glory. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.